The Buckmaster Radio Program is paid for by Buckmaster Communications, LLC. The views expressed are not necessarily those of KVOI, Bill Buckmaster Communications, LLC, or their sponsors. Hello, everybody. Bill Buckmaster with you, along with my buddy John, engineering and producing the show, off and running on a brand new week as we will... uh, It's a leap year. Uh, My nephew's a leap year baby, coming up on uh, Thursday, the 29th of February. But we'll transition uh, into March. Today is Monday, February 26, 2024. Uh, We launched into the 14th year of our radio program in January. We come to you from the Green Things Zocalo Village studio. Uh, on 1030 KVOI, the voice, two sounds only source for local live news and talk. We have our worldwide live listening and all of our podcasts, great archive that goes back all the way to when we started the radio project in January of 2011. So what are we talking about there? 13 years plus of content, and it's very easy to use. So a lot of shows there. The Buckmaster Show live line for our telephone interviews presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. My good friends at Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing are the presenting sponsor for our Monday one-on-one family-owned and run since 1985. Moe and the family specialize in custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, picture framing, hanging services, and hanging systems. Uh, that means Mo comes out and makes house calls if you want. I went by there uh, over the weekend, picked up a couple of items. Uh, they did just a beautiful job. They always do a great job with their framing. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and at moesgallery.com. Uh, our Monday one-on-one today, my friend Jeff Skurin comes back to the Buckmaster Show. Jeff is one of the winningest football coaches in America. His record is truly remarkable as a high school and college coach, 300-plus wins. He's been named Coach of the Year 15 times in four states, state all-star coach four times, won 18 league championships and engineered turnaround seasons multiple times. Translation, the man's a winner. He was uh, selected as the National Coach of the Year in 2007 for taking the Santa Rita Eagles in Tucson from a 0-10 and season to 11-2. and That's the biggest turnaround in state history. His incredible, successful half-century coaching includes uh, a stint coaching professional football in Italy and Germany. And for the past two seasons, fall, Seasons. He was the head football coach of the Rio Arico Eagles in uh, down near Tubac. Coach, always a pleasure. How are you, sir? Thanks. When you say all those kind things, I look over my shoulder and wonder who you're yeah, talking yeah, who about. Yeah, who is this guy? I mean, what a buildup. I mean, come on. Um, and, uh, you know, two seasons going back to coaching. And, well, we'll talk, we'll pick up that later. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about you just got back from a, a fabulous trip. And you and I uh, share DNA in that we love travel. It's in our bones. Uh, how many years have I been telling you, Coach, you've got to get to French Polynesia? Ever since I think we learned to each other, had this travel bug, you said, have you been to French Polynesia? And, you know, we were supposed to go this time last year. Yeah. But then this thing for Antarctica came up. Oh, yeah. And it was one of my dreams. It completed our seven-continent mission. Mm. And we had a, we, we got this fabulous deal that came up. And we just said, you know, we're both mobile. We could do all this because we like the, the the hiking around on the continent part of it. I didn't want to just see it. I wanted to hike around. I, from, from, from the time I was a little kid, I, I had this dream about walking with the penguins. And I saw it on a film sometime. Yeah. And I said, I want to do that. And I remember it my whole life. The opportunity came up. And that's, that is not a vacation, no. as you may have heard. That's a lot of work. Crossing the Drake Passage, and particularly in when you get the, the rough for, seas. Not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. We had about 30 to 35-foot swells, which I hear is not bad. You know, that yeah. when, we, when the ship came to get us, they went through 46-foot swells. The roughest sea in the world is the Drake Passage. <laughs> they call it the Drake Shake. And I tell you, there was one night no. when it was really almost impossible to sleep. You almost had to hang on to your bed. But yeah. it, looking back on it, of course, it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And and walking around with the penguins and, and stepping off on the continent, I can't begin to tell you that feeling of exhilaration. It felt a lot like when you when I frankly when I've coached a ball game where it didn't look like we were gonna win. We and were, you had we were, to be your come from behind. Yeah, we were underdogs, we were like. all that stuff. Yeah. And heck, heck I'm just a, my wife and I are school teachers. And so who are we to have this opportunity to, to do that? But we've never been shy about taking risks or taking chances as because we just both both have the philosophy, just like you do, mm-hmm. that life is meant to be lived. And, yes, sir. And you don't, and you don't get that by sitting home. All it, right. Well, you had to put aside the French Polynesia and Tahiti, and of course the uh, mythical island of Bora Bora. You had to put that aside until this year. Correct. And yeah. so that came up again, the opportunity, and we said, you know what, we're not getting any younger. Let's go do this. Well, I got to tell you, and you wound up, uh, and I knew you would love it, uh, the island of Bora Bora, which is uh, right across from, uh, excuse me, the island of Morea, which is right across from the main island of Tahiti, across the uh, sea or Bay of the Moon. You loved Morea. Yes, we did, and, and, and the beaches and the snorkeling mm. and the food and, and especially the people. Uh, Bill, I think the, the biggest thing that I've learned over the years about all the travels we've done in all the different countries is, first of all, we're lifelong learners, both my wife and I. And uh, we enjoy learning about the cultures and the people. And, you know, uh, many, many years ago uh, when we were in Vietnam, and and uh, I couldn't get over how friendly they were to us as Americans. And uh-huh. I thought there would be issues and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then we had one very educated cab driver who said to us, the war was not between Vietnam people and the United States people. The war was between governments. Uh-huh. We like yeah. you people. Yeah. And, and I, I'll never forget that. And that's, that's kind of inspired me for all these different travels. I mean, if you're looking for McDonald's or KFC or those types of restaurants, which are fine if you want to eat them, you know, Travel probably isn't in your DNA. Yeah. If, you're, if you're looking for something new and something adventurous, I mean, I ate, I ate seafood for for last for three weeks almost every day straight, and uh, and frankly, I, it's one of my favorite foods growing up in Florida. Yeah, and and yet getting that fresh, we have good seafood, and we have excellent restaurants here in Tucson, but somehow getting it right out of the water is is something special. It really is special. And then uh, then from Tahiti, uh, from French Polynesia, you did uh, almost two weeks at sea down to New Zealand. Yeah, 11 days, uh, and uh, uh, unfortunately, because of their cyclone, which is what they call a hurricane. In the southern hemisphere, yes. yes. we had to make the big dash south to mm-hmm. get around it, and uh, that was interesting, and it was so funny because everybody on the board was complaining about the rough seas, and Joan and I having just gone through the Drake Passions the year before. <laughs> so it was nothing compared to that. <laughs> well, right? It really was. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't mean to, to poo-poo a, 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 a hurricane or a, what they call a cyclone. I don't mean to put that down at all, but frankly, you know, when you get nine or ten foot swells, which is what we had, it really was nothing compared to the Drake, and particularly in the Drake, you get those cross currents as well because mm-hmm. where the Atlantic and Pacific come together. And, uh, and yeah, so it was, it was an unexpected uh, journey at sea. And at first, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit, gosh, what am I going to do with all this time? But, you know, you settle into a routine, you read, you meet and have discussions with people from other, you know, all over the world. And you learn so much about the other cultures and what other people's lives are like. It was really, a, it ended up being a great opportunity. And we made some really good friends with... I with saw some, that on your Facebook, some Aussie friends, yes. some young Aussie friends. And I'm telling you, uh, when Anne and I did a little four-night thing in the Fiji Islands, kind of a, they call it the Blue Lagoon <laughs> Cruise, uh, we uh, had Aussies on board and New Zealanders, Kiwis, and they kept running out of beer. They had to have uh, one of these little uh, tender, this little boat would have to come up to the ship with more beer. They know how to party, right? Those people know how to party. They know how to party. As you saw, I had to teach them how to do tequila. Yeah, you guys were doing shots of tequila. (laughs) I don't don't do things like that very often. But when these these people who have drinking as part of their, really part of their culture. culture, sure. Yeah, and and when when you had an opportunity to say, hey, have you ever tried this? And they said, no, we didn't. Yeah, we had to teach them about life in the Southwest United States. Particularly after being, spending my 
last two years down by the border. Another wonderful experience. Uh, Rio Rico Hawks treated me so well. Uh, I love. Oh, the kids. I called them the Eagles. Yeah, that's okay. And, and they're the Hawks. As long as we're flying, we're okay. Yeah. And, and so it, it was. Hawks. You know, I learned so much, and yeah, that was almost like living abroad as well, because uh, that's was learning a new culture and, and 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 frankly i enjoy that more than i can begin to tell and you and you enjoyed your two years there but n- you're not going back to that program i uh, know I, I think i've just reached the age where uh i i need something closer to home and tucson is our home mm-hmm. uh, you know as some people know we had the a bad experience with our our daughter's husband passing i'm so sorry and about thank you that. and uh, you know and you know what that's like very oh, well yeah. and uh, unfortunately things happen in life and uh but, you know, we belonged in Tucson with our daughter and our grandkids, and uh, we helped raise them, and we're very, very tight as a family. And, of course, on this trip, we had our son met us in Auckland, New Zealand. I saw that. And we were running around, uh, drove around. He did all the driving. Was he lived great. down there then? Uh, he lives down there? No, he lives in Denver, but, oh, he, but he, he flew did, over you met ho- us. You hooked up down there. Yep, and uh, that's a, isn't that great when your family can oh, do yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Coach, we're going to take a break right here. More with Coach Jeff Skurin it is is our Monday one-on-one. Uh, I want to talk about our one of our great sponsors, Mona's Danish Bakery, home of the Danish Kringle, northeast corner of Swan and Sunrise. Uh, I was also up at uh, Mona's, stopped by on Saturday, and I let's see, uh, what did I get at Mona's? Uh, I bought uh, one of their wonderful Danish, and then, of course, uh, couldn't leave without having... Uh, one of the muffins, the uh, blueberry muffins. So uh, Mona's Danish Bakery. And they are now, uh, so they do have a liquor license. So they're doing mimosas. They've got the champagne and they've got several beers. Uh, I've been saying that they just had Peroni, the bottled beer from Italy. They've got um, several domestic beers as well. And so check it out. Mona'sDanishBakery.com is their website, and they are open Tuesday through Sunday. Stores open at 6.30. More on the Monday one-on-one presented by Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing with our friend, Coach Jeff Skurin, right after this. Family-owned Jam Culinary Concepts and its family of restaurants has you covered for your special event. Jam caters anytime, anywhere, any size group, and any type of cuisine. Vero Amore, authentic Neapolitan pizza, and noble hops. Craft beer and fine fare are synonymous with quality. Call 954-1468 or log on to jamculinaryconcepts.com. The Regional Transportation Authority's 20-year plan includes roadway, transit, pedestrian, bicycle, and many other transportation improvements across the region. Pima County voters approved the plan in 2006, and the RTA is finalizing a new 20-year plan for RTA board review and approval to seek public feedback on the draft plan. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. Buckmaster Show listeners know that I'm passionate about travel. When I'm ready to take off on a new adventure, my air travel begins and ends at Tucson International Airport. TUS is nonstop for our community and Southern Arizona. So remember, to fly local, fly Tucson. Tucson International is nonstop for Tucson. More at flytucson.com. For more than a half century, Tucson Gardeners Trust Green Things, a family-owned and operated retail and wholesale plant nursery, offering an amazing variety of plants, trees, cacti, pottery, and so much more, all at great prices. The 13-and-a-half-acre site by the Rieto River is also home to the Zocalo Village, specializing in fine Mexican and Latin American imported furniture and art. Green Things open daily at 3384 East River Road and at greenthingsaz.com and zocalovillage.com. 
Cushman and Wakefield PICOR is Tucson's leading independently owned full-service commercial real estate company. Founded in 1985, Cushman and Wakefield PICOR offers leasing, sales, and property management for industrial office, medical, retail, land, and investment properties in Tucson and Sonora, Mexico. Visit our website at PICOR.com for the latest news from Tucson's commercial real estate sector. That's PICOR.com. Call us at 748-7100. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun cover two of Arizona's most desirable communities. The newspapers reach more than 75% of the communities each week, with a combined population of more than 50,000. The Green Valley News also publishes a dozen magazines each year, and both newspapers publish up-to-the-minute local news online at gvnews.com. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun, it's all right here. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show. It is our Monday one-on-one presented by Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing right next to Copenhagen, Fort Lowell and Dodge. And uh, they're on the web at moesgallery.com. They also have in that that center now, Monsoon Chocolate is now uh, taking up residency there uh, right by Moe's. And it's doing really well too so um it is our one-on-one and today uh, my friend jeff skurin is back and he's one of the winningest football coaches in america i mean i went over his record introducing uh him today to folks that may not know the man's just i mean he's a winner uh everything he's touched and coached he's he's been very successful and uh he's doing coaching clinics now uh you did a quarterback uh, clinic right in town here yeah i yeah. did uh, I, I couldn't get over the fact that i kind of got my arm twisted into doing it because everybody said you know you need to do something of and, course and, and we don't have any quarterback gurus down here i call them quarterback whispers i don't like that word and uh a- anyway the uh uh, I thought I was going to have 10, 12 kids there. We ended up with 40. From high schools? Or what? I, 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 we started age 8 and up. Oh. And it's real important nowadays that kids get the... You know, if, they want, if they want this, there's, there's just some things that they need to do. And unfortunately, uh, Phoenix has uh, two really excellent quarterback uh, whisperers up there. And one of them is my good friend, uh, and he coached uh, Brock Purdy for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. And he's been after me for years. He says, Coach, you, you, you need to you need to help the quarterbacks out there. Because we've had, frankly, high school football here, our best players are, are picking up and moving to play in Phoenix. And that's uh-huh. why, that's one of, one of the many reasons why I'm such a big B. John Robinson fan. Uh, uh-huh. He could have played anywhere, and yet he stayed here in town and uh, making us all feel good about watching him on TV as a local Tucson kid. And uh, it's, it's great watching him on TV. And, and, and we, we just need to, if we're going to be competitive in sports here, you know, we just need more of a commitment because I believe sports are the other classroom. I think there's things that kids learn by participating in sports that really we can't teach anywhere else. Or at least it's one of the better teaching places for things like commitment, teamwork, uh, focusing on a task, hard work, getting a job done. Those things are good coaches are the best teachers of that that we have. Yeah, you're a teacher. There's no question about it. You're going to be working with – are these pro athletes when you're doing – uh, in May over in Europe, you're meeting with pro athletes or semi-pro, or who are they? Yeah, they're, they're both. It's the full range. It'll go from high school age kids all the way up to f- professional athletes. And it's really what the team wants to spend their money on. I, I just like to spread the good word of American football. But more than that, it's not really just the game. It's it's our culture that we're trying to spread. I, I, think, I, I think people watch the news and they get a certain concept and idea about what's going on in the united states right. today and as we know it's just the highlights it's not who we are it's not what our culture is really like it's not about the 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 basic unity we have uh, mm-hmm. as a people and, and 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 we 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 have a lot of feelings for all our differences we do have great likenesses and and those things just aren't often portrayed uh, to the world about our American public. And I think that people like me who go overseas and offer themselves out there, because I don't charge for these clinics. You, you know, don't? Every, every, no, every now and then they'll put me up or give what? me a meal or do something like that. But I, it's kind of <sighs> my, it's my giving back. And, and listen, there's nothing like 
having a local take you around to of see course, their town or their area. And and we get and, and they 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 treat my wife like gold, and we we get this. And you get the travel experience, which you love, as we covered in the first segment. Eating local food, yeah. uh, you know, picking out That's, their their favorite restaurants, not. It's a win away from the again. Another win-win for uh, Coach Jeff Skurin. Uh Coach, the first time we've had you formally on the show since the whole dust-up around uh, the University of Arizona and Jed Fish, and uh, you and I talked about this actually publicly on the air that we were not all that excited about the original hire for Coach Fish. He's been around. His resume. He's he's moved on, and a lot of people. Uh, were so surprised. They thought he was here for the long term. Yeah, this was his M.O. I mean, the people that, uh, uh, listen, he did a great job. Let's sure. get that on the board. Okay, There's yeah. no, people who say this, and that, you can't have He did this a com- great turnaround. You cannot have this conversation without complimenting him and, frankly, his entire staff. Yeah. And even from my friend Brandon Standers through the entire coaching staff there, some some great local Wildcats coming back, uh, uh, Hunley, Chuck Cecil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get those guys, and, and he did a great job of bringing Gronk back into the program. Mm-hmm. Gronkowski uh, getting, came back. You know, yeah. uh, uh, the TV personality, Teddy Bruschi now. Yeah. I mean, that was you, you just got to hand it to him for doing a great job. With so he kind of turned things around to bring it back to more of a, a local pedigreed he was the coach that did that after we had this horrible wasteland after coach tomey so he kind of has brought it back local now he, the, yeah go ahead and he also handled the nil deal you, you yeah the you light the transfer the light, which has changed everything he right? really really good and 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 people say well that's not coaching well in the modern world that is part of the job as head coach mm-hmm. that that's just part of the deal but to, for, to be let's uh, let's put it, the other side on the table. He had one winning season out of three years. Like right. let's keep that on the table. Yeah. Number two, this was his mo. The longest he's ever been any place in his life is two years. Uh, he was. Uh, everybody talks about money, and you can't turn down that kind of money. It, first of all, in the cost of living from here to Seattle, it really wasn't. It's kind know, of a wash, I, I thought. I, that's what I see. <laughs> yeah. And living number, in Seattle, you know, and, and how expensive. The, yeah, they're just housing alone. <laughs> you know, let alone airport sure. parking. That'll get you right yeah. there. And, yeah. and you know, things like that. People don't realize that. But but uh, you know, the money issue. The guys worked for ten years for other coaches, doing mm-hmm. great volunteer work, learning from some of the best in the business. But he wasn't getting paid for most of those jobs. Yeah. So the, and he was living in Boston for a couple of years, you know, with Belichick and 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 the and the and the Patriots. You know, you don't do that with a family. So he didn't have he didn't have that in in terms of a great payday. It wasn't really there yeah, for years. His, right? My point is, he, yeah. he had to have money from someplace. Yeah. yeah. So the, the money deal. I, I don't know maybe he saw Washington as a great big opportunity. Uh, I, I don't know. You, to me, it's it's not Ohio State. It's not Alabama. No. I mean, I could see the Washington coach going to Alabama. Alabama's Alabama. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. That's Alabama. That's Ohio State. Yeah. That's Georgia. There are certain jobs. Mm-hmm. USC. There's just certain jobs. Well, maybe you wanted to get into the Big Ten uh, with Washington. The, the transition. And, and who yeah. knows what the opportunity I don't was. Know. But to me... One more year at Arizona, yeah. With what he had, if he could have continued and even built on that a little, uh-huh. and gotten Arizona into the into the playoffs, into the playoffs. To me, I'm, I'm his just stock a big would have guy. gone way up. You're saying? If yeah, I, I work as a, I do a nice living as a business consultant. Yeah, and and I'm a big picture guy and yeah. a strategic. I do organizational thinking and strategic planning. Yeah, and I make a nice living doing that on the side. Mm-hmm. And. To me, if I would had been in the room consulting on this one, I'd have said, hey, guys, look at the big picture here. You know, you could take this job and get washed in the never-never land. Yeah, I mean, if he goes, if if they go, they're going to go downhill from what they were last year. I agree. They are. I, I mean, it's just they are. Washington yeah. is. And, yes, he might rebuild it and get his reputation back. But if he could have stayed at Arizona and gotten us into that playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then taken one of the premier jobs, or even gone to the NFL. Then everybody in Tucson would have said, "Good for you." Yeah, that's a natural jump. Yeah, I, I I think most of us don't see this as that big a jump to leave what you've already built, and mm-hmm. I think that's part of what the the public is. Plus, here in Tucson, we're tired of being a stepping stone. Yes, we, we want, and that's why I'm so excited about this hire about uh, Brennan. Brennan, I, I, you know, we want a guy that wants to be in Tucson. At least that's what and I want. And he does. His okay. wife uh, went to school here. And His they kids. Look like like a great couple and yeah 
And so kind of I reminds think, me of the, the Tommy days. So yeah. I'm kind of yes, thank you. And I'm kind of let's hey, that's that's flip that page. I don't even care if I hear his name ever again. Let's just move on, support this new guy, and build up our program. Because watching the Wildcats at the end of the year compete like that was a lot of fun for me as a local coach. Coaching, we're almost out of time, Coach. It's changed dramatically dealing with the kids, or are they still the same kids? No, this is, the in my career, in my 50 years of yeah. actively coaching, this has been, the last three or four years has been the biggest change I've seen. And it's been, the trickle-down has happened so fast. NILs are, in, are common now in high school. I'm seeing them in youth-level programs where kids are being attracted with money and things. And it's, it is it is a huge, huge... The NILs, the likeness deal where the kids get paid. Name, Andrew, yeah. name Andrew's image likeness. Yeah, yeah. And, and we knew this was coming. <laughs> and the NCAA did nothing about it. And no. again, being a big-picture guy, they got what they deserved, unfortunately. It's just like the the disillusion, the dissolving of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one guy mishandling the entire affairs of the Pac-12, and and one of the greatest conferences in the history of sports is now gone. You got USC, UCLA traveling for 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 girls softball to Indiana. Or and, Rutgers and winter. Or to New Jersey. And New Jersey to <laughs> yeah, winter. You know, that, yeah, I mean... T- tennis teams, come what, on. What happened to that Conference of Champions? I mean, come on, a West Coast Conference, Premier Conference just goes away because, as you point out, some real bad decisions were made. And in the end, it's a culture, and this is culture-wide. In the end, it's all about the money. And I think until we get out of that mental framework, I, I think we're going to have many, many problems outside of athletics. Okay, Coach Jeff Skurin, always a pleasure. Great to see you, Coach. Thank you. Good to see you, Bill. Our Monday one-on-one presented by Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell & Dodge, and on the web at moesgallery.com. Midway through our Monday show, we will be right back. Take out authentic Neapolitan wood-fired pizza at Vero Amore, where every flavorful pizza, pasta, and panini are homemade. Using the finest local and imported ingredients, Vero Amore, Plaza Palomino at Swan and Fort Lowell, and on Dove Mountain in Marana, plus a full catering menu and mobile pizza truck for parties and events. Vero Amore, on the web at veroamorepizza.com. This is Bill Buckmaster urging my listeners to join me in becoming a member of the Reed Park Zoo, one of America's top zoos and home to more than 300 animals from all over the world. When you become a zoo member, you receive free daytime admission, discounts on special events and education programs, and so much more. Find out more about zoo membership and everything you need to know about your zoo visit. ReedParkZoo.org Whether you've considered an all-inclusive luxury cruise, an expedition adventure, or a relaxing river cruise, come to Bon Voyage Travel's annual showcase on March 3rd at the Hilton El Conquistador. Presentations will be offered throughout the day to provide you a chance to hear more about these travel brands and their exciting offers. Bill Buckmaster and I will be teaming up to present the travel trends of 2024. Visit bvtravel.com for more information on Bon Voyage Travel's free showcase on March 3rd. Are you happy with the news you get? While not all news is good news, you know good reporting when you see it. Check TucsonSentinel.com every day for breaking news and investigative reports. Have your say in the comments. It's all in TucsonSentinel.com, your local, independent, nonprofit news. You can rely on TucsonSentinel.com for solid reporting about immigration, Tucson and penal politics, everything from the border to baseball. It's independent news without the spin. TucsonSentinel.com. We are watching Tucson. Family owned and run since 1985, Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing is the gold standard for quality and professionalism for picture framing, custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, and hanging and lighting solutions. Come in for your design session or set it up electronically. 
Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and now doing e-commerce at moesgallery.com. The Friends of Pima Animal Care Center is the nonprofit partner to our Pima County Animal Shelter. We grant critically needed resources to PACC so that it can continue the amazing life-saving progress it has made in recent years. Your generosity helps us find homes for abused, neglected, and abandoned animals at PAC. Learn how you can help at friendsofpacc.org. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show, off and running on a Monday overcast, uh, rainy days and Mondays. There you go. I think there was a song like that. Of course we know there was a song. Mamas and Papas. Uh, Green Things, the plants at Green Things say thank you. We love the moisture. Uh, And just a little bit of a sprinkling, and we may get a little more rain uh, coming up. Green Things, 3384 East River Road by the Rito River, just west of the Brandy Fenton Park. Several of my friends have asked, Bill, how are those poinsettias doing? Are they still alive? Yes. Uh, All three of them are doing very well uh, in my living room, and it is really nice. Here we are coming up almost in March for me to look and see that red color uh, of those plants. And uh, doing well, and so is the Christmas cactus, which has got another round of blooms that have come up. So I'm very pleased uh, with the items from Green Things. GreenThingsAZ.com is their website, their sister business, ZocaloVillage.com. When we do our telephone interviews, that uh, is presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. But today we're... We're doing all in studio, which is fine with me, and we always love to bring in Dr. Jeff Silvertooth. We try to bring him in monthly. Sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it's more like six weeks, but uh, he is a regular contributor on our program and one of the regular Buckmaster Show contributors. His field is agriculture. He's made his living on this. It's uh, been his life work. Uh, Jeff is a uh, professor and extension specialist in agronomy and soil science at the University of Arizona Department of Environmental Science. He uh, didn't get off the bus yesterday, as we say yesterday, or as I say, uh, when somebody's been around a while. He's been on the University of Arizona faculty uh, and worked statewide uh, or all over the state since 1987. Uh, Professor Silvertooth has been recognized as a fellow for both the American Society of Agronomy and Soil Science Society of America. Great to see you, Jeff. How are you doing? Good to see you, Bill. Thank you. I'm doing fine. How are Good. you doing? Doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, this is interesting, which developing a story developing up at the legislature uh, about where to go with the efforts to regulate uh, rural water use uh, in Arizona. I think there's a feeling among the public, Jeff, that well, all water use is regulated to a certain extent in Arizona. But it's really when you think of these areas, what they call of active management, we're talking mainly the Phoenix and Tucson area. That's right. That's right. Uh, thanks, Jeff. We, if we may just kind of step back sure. for the listeners to to post a little context for that. What we have is the results of the 1980 Groundwater Management Act that, that set up these AMAs, these active management areas. And they were set up with that legislation in 1980 for the bistro areas of Phoenix. Basically, it's, it's Maricopa, Pinal, Pima County. Also, there's that were originally was set up in Prescott up in Yavapai County as well as a growing population. And so the state has moved along, and that's where you, where you say the general sentiment in the state is all of our water is regulated. Surface waters are are regulated and that includes of course the colorado river we've talked about that before however outside of that outside those amas and the other portion of the groundwater or water that we have see 36 percent or about i should say actually it's about 50 uh, percent of the water comes from surface water that we use in this state about 41 percent little over 41 percent or more is coming from groundwater and groundwater outside the amas is unregulated and that's the problem that we have, and that's what's trying to be – efforts are being made right now, fortunately, to try to address those issues. And so it's 
it's water. It's Arizona. Yeah. It's highly contentious. And it's it's a primarily where the real contention is, of course, is out in the rural areas and how we manage that. And, Jeff, we do not want to rapidly deplete the groundwater basins. I Absolutely mean, not. One, They're fine. That's one. It's fine. It, when it's gone, uh, it's gone. Yeah, replenishment in the desert of a, ground, <laughs> of, a, of a basin like that, of an aquifer, is slow at best. However, that points out, too, another complicating factor with this is that not all groundwater basins are created equal. And there's tremendous variability, even within, a, say, a, a given county. Like you go down to Cochise County, is one of the areas in question. There are several major aquifers in those valleys of of, of Cochise County, and they differ in with, with regard to their hydrology and their ability to replenish. And that's the same thing true at Gila Bend, out of Mojave counties, et cetera, et cetera, all over the state. So that's part that's part of what complicates this effort to create legislation that that will accommodate this variability and the variability in the needs that people have in these parts of the state. Where does ag weigh in on all of this? Interesting. Interesting. There is a, well, there are um, two bills, I guess, help kind of help exemplify this. Two bills that have been introduced into the legislature. Uh, one bill came in from, from Senator Kerr. It's SB 1221. It's a co- co-sponsored with, with Representative Griffin, who is from Cochise County. Gail Griffin. So Gail this Gr- is the Senate bill. This okay. is Senate Bill 1221. There's a separate bill that that came in besides the, the 1221 was initiated by Senator Kerr, and she and her husband run a dairy out of Buckeye. Oh. So they have a real skin in the game, so mm-hmm, to speak. Mm-hmm. The other bill came in as the House, House Bill 2857. That came in from Representative Mathis and Senator Sunder, Sundarishan. Now that bill... Uh, both of them have merits, and both of them have strong support. Or as I should say, primarily the first bill has real strong support from members of the ag community that kind of recognized official groups like the Farm Bureau. Of course, Senator Kerr authored the bill. Major groups have been supportive of that. However, this other bill offers some contrasting features that a lot of people like as well. So really that brings us down to a question right now of can they get together and compromise? I would think the, the forecasters say and you know, indications are that the Senate Senate Bill 1221, if it went through and got passed by the Senate, got passed by the by the House, it probably would get vetoed at the governor's desk. Why? Why do you think so? Because it doesn't have enough teeth in the in the in the bill. Not, not enough, enough regulatory uh, right. power. It, to... Yeah, it's viewed by some folks as being just too loose. It's uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't really a lot of talk and doesn't do enough to mm-hmm. satisfy them. So the other bill does a little bit more. But it has still favorable features that a lot of people in agriculture are are interested in. I think what most people in agriculture that I talk to right now today are really interested in is a workable solution. And a workable solution at this point looks like that would require some compromise. And that's, of course... uh, a dangerous, dangerous territory for a lot of folks politically these days is to compromise with the other side. Oh yeah, but that's what we're down to, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's just now I'm venturing off a fact and venturing into Jeff's opinion here a little bit. But that's what it seems like, Bill, is that this is a situation. That if you want to get something done, which we desperately need, as you say, mm-hmm. to manage our groundwater for both today and tomorrow and the future generations, we need to get something done as soon as possible. It is critical, and the people in these districts that are affected by it, like Cochise County is a great example, just you know, a few miles away from us, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a serious issue for them, and it's very real for them. The people are losing... The groundwater is being depleted. Yes, sir. People are losing access to house groundwater. For people have gone down there and bought properties, moved in. Right. Farmers are right. losing groundwater. Right. It's a serious deal, you know. So they've, we, need some, we need some regulation. The question is how much, and how do we do that? Uh, The fine reporter for the Arizona Daily Star, Tony Davis, he's just really on top of the whole environmental issue Mm -hmm. in the Colorado River. Uh, He wrote yesterday in the Arizona Daily Star that the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation wants to start analyzing by March, that's a few days away, how to cut water use on the Colorado River. But it first wants the states to come up with their own proposal. Well, therein. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Silvertooth lies uh, lies a, a huge issue of trying to get people together on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's actually that's another one of the, the pages in our water book that we find very interesting right now is the Colorado River. So we have delegates from each state in the basin 
the seven basin states and Mexico that are representative in these negotiations. What they have to do, Bill, is have to come up with their proposals in March to turn into the Bureau of Reclamation. That'll be the proposals and how we reset these guidelines to how to deal with drought and water shortages on the Colorado River by 2026. They'll go into effect in 2026. So each state or each these this whole body of the Colorado River water users has the option of coming up with a plan. If they don't, of course, it's left to the federal government, Department of Interior, Bureau of Reclamation, to make that call. It's in everyone's best interest in the basin to do it locally. And so they're meeting, these delegates are meeting. I just We just had a conference last week, Southwest Ag Summit, and had representatives that both come from agriculture. They are on the, were on the, the negotiating teams for Arizona and California, which in the past have been at at, uh, yeah. at, you know, at, at a, at battles over water for over 100 years. But Arizona and the lower basin, Arizona, Nevada, California, and including Mexico has been a pretty good player in this too, they've all pretty much come to the same page. Now, there mm-hmm. are differences, but they've had to compromise. Yeah. They're on the same page. And the real differences, as I see, as I understand it, I don't remember if Mr. Davis mentioned this or not, but it's really the contest between the upper basin and lower basin right yes. now. Yes, yeah, he did point that out. Yeah. And again, we should, for context, for more than a century now, this Colorado River Compact, compact this is what we're. This is kind of the the framework mm-hmm. that goes back to the 1920s, correct? 1922. 1922. Yes, exactly. It's a compact and, of the Colorado River. I mean, it's so obvious that the needs uh, in 1922 of of these western states were so different. Right, and you know <laughs> what we talk about is the body of the law of the river. And the law of the river is really an amalgam of laws, contracts, treaties, agreements. But the foundation component on the law of the river is the, is the Colorado River Compact, which was signed on Thanksgiving Day in Santa Fe, New Mexico in really? 1922. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, it's over 100 years old now. And it's lasted. It's done a good job. But we are at a point, particularly with the drought and the drought and the, and the use we have. But the interesting, the, the, the um, what was to say, the conflict between the upper and lower basin, I find quite interesting. And uh, we can talk about the that upper, if you like. Yeah, it. we'll take a we'll take a break and then talk about that. Uh, I was just curious though. In 1922, at that time, uh, was the river quite a bit higher than it is now? <laughs> I mean, good good question. Yeah, good who question. knows? But it would seem that if it is, it, that might have been a different starting point, right? Right. right. <laughs> well, the, the overall hydrology on the Colorado River has been about. A little over 14 million acre feet, close to 15 million acre feet has come down the river on the average. Yeah. A little over 14 million acre feet a year through 20th century. The, the Colorado River Compact budgeted that river at a 15 and a, or 16 and a half million acre feet. Mm-hmm. And so it was based on hydrology from some wet years. That's ah, an interesting feature yes, of the compact. Yes. And so it's never been really feasible to fully fulfill all points in the compact. But that hasn't been necessary because up until just recently, all states haven't been using all their water allocated to them, and we haven't got into a serious drought like we have the past 23 years. All right, let's take a break right here. We'll have more with Dr. Jeff Silvertooth. Buckmaster show continues right after this. Noble Hops is Tucson's original gastropub. Serving an ever-changing menu of craft beer and fine fare. Savor the majestic mountain views from the perfect for any season spacious patio at West Lambert Lane in North La Cañada Drive in Oro Valley. Order in or take out at Noble Hops, a pub for foodies. On the web at noblehops.com. Regional Transportation Authority plan is funded by a voter-approved half-cent sales tax. The RTA is the largest annual funder of regional transportation improvements in the region, averaging more than $100 million in tax revenue each year. The RTA is preparing a new 20-year plan for public review prior to a May 2025 election. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. International Airport, we are nonstop for our community. Our main priorities are providing a safe and secure travel experience and excellent customer service. We are also nonstop for landing prosperity in Southern Arizona by attracting new flights for business travel and family getaways. 
When your airport thrives, our community thrives. So fly local, fly TUS. Tucson International Airport is nonstop for Tucson. The nonprofit Tucson Wildlife Center has been helping injured, sick, and orphan wildlife in southern Arizona since 1999. They're dedicated to the rescue, medical care, and rehabilitation of sick, injured, and orphan wildlife with the goal of releasing them back to their natural habitat. Around 5,000 animals a year come to them as they are the only wildlife rescue in southern Arizona. All made possible through donations. They receive no government funding. Please donate at TucsonWildlife.com. Hi, this is Irene Coppola, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. The BBB sets the standards for marketplace trust by engaging with and educating consumers and businesses. The BBB is the resource to turn to for the objective, unbiased information on businesses offering national and local consumer services online and in person. Learn more about the many services offered by the Better Business Bureau at bbb.org. Nestled in the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains of southeastern Arizona is Equine Voices and Sanctuary, home to horses and burros that were rescued from neglect, abuse abandonment, and slaughter. Please consider Equine Voices Rescue and Sanctuary with a financial gift of support and estate remembrance. Learn more about our vision and values at equinevoices.org. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show. If you're thinking of a getaway for the spring, uh, Silver City in Grant County, New Mexico, makes a wonderful, fun road trip. It's only about a three-hour drive, depending on uh, where you are in uh, the Tucson Valley, over to Silver City in Grant County, New Mexico. Uh, My suggestion, before you do the road trip, check out their website, southwestnewmexico.org. Great information about where to stay uh, what to do, even some great places to eat as well uh, in historic Silver City. That website again, southwestnewmexico.org. We are in the Green Things Zocalo Village studio. When we do our telephone interviews, our live line presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. Dr. Jeff Silvertooth is our Buckmaster Show contributor on agriculture, and we've been talking about uh, the Colorado River and and uh, the Colorado River Compact, which was signed, I think you said, Jeff, Thanksgiving Day 1922 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And uh, you indicated in our first segment with you, segment three of the show a few moments ago, that uh, there seems to be at least uh, some movement in a positive way between negotiators, at least from Arizona and California, who those two states have historically been at odds over water. That's right. That's right. Historically, from day one, (laughs) you know, and uh, big court cases like the 1963 Supreme Court decision that was Arizona versus California, was a had been it had been pending with the Supreme Court since I think 1952, but mm-hmm. took a while to work out. But anyway, yeah, there's been a lot of contention on the river for many years. But the California, Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico, the, particularly the three U.S. states that are principally involved in d- negotiating with the Upper Basin and the Bureau of Reclamation, they've come. To, they've got a pretty much uh, solid position themselves, a good coalition. They did. Controversy seems to be the conflict seems to be between upper basin and lower basin. And some interesting points there. Upper is Colorado. Yes, their upper basin is everything above Lee's Ferry, right above the Grand Canyon. So it would be Colorado, Wyoming, Utah. New Mexico? New Mexico. Okay. That's it. That's okay. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the upper basin, it's interesting contrast. It's, upper basin's been here, for example, irrigating more than twice the acreage. From an agriculture perspective, you know, but overall use, that's where most of 70%, 80% of the Colorado River is used in agriculture. So I, you know, put that out. So it's a big ag story. I mean, big when you've got story. that kind of yeah. percentage, 70%, go ahead. Yeah, about everything dealing with water in this state is going to have a major ag component with mm-hmm. it. It's certainly in this region with the Colorado River. So the upper basin has been irrigating more than twice the acreage as the lower basin, but less than, much less productive. They have not used all their allocation, and they say they want to develop their allocation, which is 7.5 million acre feet in the upper basin, as it is the lower. They want to develop their allocation, and they'll have it. They've got plans to do so by 2060. 
So we're talking, you know, 35 years from now, they want to, they said, we don't want to cut any water from the upper basin. This is all a lower basin problem. We want to keep our water. Uh, some folks make the argument, and that's an interesting argument, that, well, you've been irrigating twice the acreage, but we're three times as productive in the lower basin than the upper basin. <laughs> and it's we, we provide all the leafy green vegetables, for example, that feeds the nation and Canada from November to March. From uh, the Yuma Valley and the Imperial Valley. Yeah, lower, yeah. lower yeah. Colorado River, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you know, some folks will say well, the, the upper basin ought to give more. Sure. Not, not only should they share, they, but they, they want what they've got, and then they're saying they want to develop more. They want to develop. <laughs> they want to. Well, they want to develop all of their allocation, all which of they the haven't allocation. done. Now we're under a shortage, and some folks will say, "Well, they need to share in this shortage out, uh, dealing with the cuts." And they, they actually, we should favor the lower base. And I've seen there was a paper that came out in Science about a year ago, two years ago, by a bunch of mostly climatologists mm-hmm. but they've i think you got an economist in there with them but they made an interesting case about how they was divide the scenarios of water up on the colorado river mm-hmm. and they have basically advocated supported endorsed this thought that the lower basin is more deserving of the water than the upper basin now the upper basin doesn't agree with that <laughs> and there's a lot of contention i guess in these negotiations that they're quite adamant that they want their way they don't want to take any cuts and they want to save their water for the future for 2060 for 2060 goals of development. so But that, ag has been, in your opinion anyway, much more efficient on the lower basin. Clearly. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been short on water, but you also sense, too, C2, that we have a lot more people and dependent on this water in the lower basin. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's a, you know, with the populations of Southern California, Arizona particularly, does Nevada. The, the federal government will have to get involved if a state does not come forth with a, pro, with a plan yeah, that's one of the things that came out of the 1963 Supreme Court decision, Arizona versus California, is that they, they solidified this 7.5 million acre feet to the upper basin off the river, 7.5 million acre feet to the lower basin, and there was a treaty done in there that was incorporated in 1944. It was incorporated into that agreement for 1.5 million acre feet to the Mexico. That gives us the 17.5 million acre feet that's allocated out. And so, excuse me, yeah, 16.5 million acre feet. And so what they have what they have right now is, is um, you know, the 7.5 million acre feet allocated, but there's what we have to figure out is how we cut these cut these proportions by state with regard to drought administration. The federal government will have ultimate authority on that if the states can't come to an agreement that the federal government agrees to themselves. I saw another major article about um – Colorado River users dreaming of making wa- more water, and the way they're talking about making more water is Pacific Ocean water. Right. Yeah, desal. Here we go again. Right. That's how far down the line. Quite a bit, right? If they go to west, if they go to California, the West Coast, it becomes it makes it a step of feasibility. I think that's a little closer than some of the discussions about going to Mexico. For, yes, in my opinion. Uh huh. For, for example, some might have advocated that we should develop the desal plants in California to relieve their demand on the Colorado River. California mm-hmm. takes the largest demand on the Colorado River. California takes four. And that 4. would relieve it, wouldn't it? It the, would, the, feasibly, you know, yeah, if you feasible. have enough. You know, take, they take 4.4 million acre feet from the river. My largest piece of that is an allocation to the Imperial Valley Irrigation Districts, Imperial Valley. But Imperial Valley sells and makes agreements to send water over to Metropolitan District, which is an interesting point about the coalition I mentioned before. The lower states, lower basin states in this Colorado River deal have pretty much pretty much been able to come to a consensus and agreement. And what's really amazing about that, too, is that these large urban sectors like Los Angeles, Metropolitan Waters District, they're on board with that, and they realize we need ag. Ag needs us. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to have a functional partnership, a co- coexistence for the future. And I think and that hasn't always been the case. No, sir, not right. at all. That's yes. right. That's what makes it kind of uh, that is remarkable. a sea shift. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. It is. That's important. It's an important lesson for us here that they can do it in California with L.A. and the rest of the ag portions of the Colorado River allocation. That's significant. I think. Is desal going on in some smaller uh, city or towns on the West Coast? Yes, sir. It yes, is. So it is, and it's okay. done so successfully. Uh-huh. They've actually had some other plants that have been proposed that recently have been cut down because of environmental movements mm-hmm. in California. But I think that's gaining greater traction. It's my understanding uh, in California because of the situation we have in the West and drought. 
All right, Jeff Silvertooth, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to your next uh, visit with with Look, us. Likewise, you, Bill. Thank you. All right, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the Buckmaster Monday edition. And uh, on behalf of uh, Professor Silvertooth and John, engineering and producing our program on the other side of the glass, I'm Bill Buckmaster, wishing everyone well.